This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. It's a pleasure to be back in the Zendo, speaking to you from here. I've been in the city for just this week, and I'm not sure yet how often I'll be returning. Uh, right now, my plan is to be back the week following the uh, retreat in Barrie, Massachusetts. Uh, and as time goes on, maybe we will be dividing our time more 50-50 uh, between the city and upstate. Uh, right now it's still unpredictable, but it feels like a treat to be here when I can. Today we're going to continue discussing some of the themes uh, in Jay Garfield's uh, Losing Ourselves. And I wanted to start with uh, what's a very familiar quote he cites from uh, the philosopher uh, David Hume, 18th century uh, British philosopher, who famously said, and I'll paraphrase, uh, that when he introspects and tries to discover himself inside, all he sees are particular thoughts and sensations and feelings. He never encounters a self by itself, apart from all those particular contents, never encounters something that is pure awareness. Contemporary phenomenologists might point out to him that when he encounters sensations and thoughts and emotions, he always encounters them as my thoughts, as my feelings, my sensations of the body. They're not free-floating and disconnected as if they could come from anywhere or be anybody's, they always have a quality of mindness. And rather than look for an entity called the self behind those thoughts and feelings, we might think that self-experience is in part, 
this experience of continual and unified mindness when we speak about having thoughts or feelings or sensations. Now, a good deal of Eastern meditative practice, however, was oriented precisely to trying to separate out thoughts and feelings and sensations from a background, background awareness. <coughs> and the claim was that by employing particular meditative techniques, one could separate out awareness and the contents of awareness. And so I want to read to you something I put together uh, some years ago that you may be familiar with. Uh, the first part is an exercise uh, that comes out of the Advaita tradition. In this case, it was uh, written by Ken Wilber, but it's very characteristic of a uh, particular uh, way of practice, and I think it will sound familiar to you. It's the awareness-only paradigm. I have a body, but I am not my body. I can see and feel my body, and what can be seen and felt is not the true seer. My body may be tired or excited, sick or healthy, heavy or light, but that has nothing to do with my inward I. I have a body, but I am not a body. I have desires, but I am not my desires. I can know my desires, and what can be known is not the true knower. Desires come and go floating through my awareness, but they do not affect my inward I. I have desires, but I am not my desires. I have emotions, but I am not my emotions. I can feel and sense my emotions, but what can be felt and sensed is not the true feeler. Emotions pass through me, but they do not affect my inward eye. I have emotions, but I am not emotions. I have thoughts, but I am not my thoughts. I can know and intuit my thoughts, and what can be known is not the true knower. Thoughts come to me, and thoughts leave me but they do not affect my inward eye. I have thoughts, but I am not my thoughts. I am what remains, a pure center of awareness, an unmoved witness of all those thoughts, emotions, 
feelings, and desires. Now I think that will sound like a very familiar strand of meditation that I'm sure you've encountered at one point or another. Uh, in psychoanalysis we might say that this is a kind of systematic training in dissociation. Dissociation is the experience of aspects of myself feeling like not me. Well, this is almost a kind of training in making thoughts and feelings and emotions in the body not me. And to have the true me be something apart from all those things. Pure awareness. It's a process of purification where in some ways we want to be this unmoved mover. So in response to uh, that exercise, I wrote an alternative. And I think you'll see that it takes us down a very different path. I am my body, a living, breathing body, with all its physical sensations of comfort and discomfort, relaxation and tension, changing each moment with each inhalation and exhalation, dependent in each moment on the air I breathe and the environment which sustains my life. I am my desires, my appetites, my needs for love and attachment, my ambitions and ideals. In each moment, I may experience satisfaction or lack, fullness or emptiness, learning gradually to distinguish my needs from my wants, the conditions for my flourishing from the fleeting effects of gratification. I am my emotions, my love and my anger, my sadness and my joy, my calmness and anxiety, moment after moment, reflecting my inescapable dependence on others and my vulnerability to the vicissitudes of their attention. I am my thoughts, which pass through my awareness moment after moment, like clouds through the sky, sometimes peacefully, sometimes not. Whatever their content, I can recognize them as thoughts, part of the ongoing flow of my consciousness, a necessary part of what feels like me, to be neither banished nor suppressed, but acknowledged in their passing. I am my intention to practice the values and ideals of the Buddha way, which are not of my own creation, but are passed down to me through generations of students and teachers, on whom I depend for the forms and discipline and understanding that make practice possible.
I am simultaneously the product of that long tradition, its manifestation in the present, and its shaper for the future. I am a whole person whose body, desires, emotions, thoughts, intentions, and awareness are all inseparable from my Buddha nature, all continually manifesting their inherent interdependence, impermanence, and perfection, just as they are right here and right now. Now, I think you'll agree that those sound like very different kinds of programs and very different kinds of disciplines. And I think that sometimes the kinds of things we're reading about in the literature of no self can seem very abstract and perhaps disconnected from daily life or practice. But I've tried to draw here a very stark contrast in approaches to practice. And sometimes when you hear people say that, oh, there are very many different schools of meditation or different religions, but they all point towards the same thing. They all point in the same direction. Well, I would disagree. I'd say these are two very different directions, and they're basically mutually exclusive. One is a kind of practice of subtraction and purification. The other is a practice of addition and inclusion. One is an attempt to be in touch with something invulnerable, unchanging, and timeless. The other is an attempt to get in touch with and acknowledge our interdependence and vulnerability and impermanence. These are very different kinds of projects. I think they lead in different kinds of directions. I think it was Chesterton in his uh, book on orthodoxy, where he said people sometimes think all these doctrinal questions are just about, you know, so many angels dancing on the head of the pin. But you make the, a small difference in your interpretation about the prohibition against graven images in the Bible, and next thing you know, somebody's painted over the Sistine Chapel and smash the Pieta. Sometimes these little differences have uh, very far-ranging consequences. So I hope that uh, in our discussions we can think through what we're actually practicing and the consequences of doing it the way we're doing it. Because one way or another, we, um, in our own curative fantasies, uh, most often wish for something that's much more like the first version than the second. I think we all come to practice 
with a fantasy of detaching ourselves from the things that make us vulnerable and dependent and mortal. We come to escape the body. We come to escape the tyranny of emotion and thought. And we can turn practice into a kind of collusion with that sort of dissociation. And I think it takes a very conscious effort to reorient ourselves to heading towards those things instead of away from them. So I hope we can be clear and honest with ourselves as we discuss these issues and these uh, practices. <clears throat>